You're listening to SermonCast, the online preaching ministry of Hope Hull United Methodist Church. Be sure to visit us at hopehullumc.org sermons, where you can subscribe to future episodes of SermonCast and browse our archive of past messages. Thanks for tuning in. All right, so today is Blaze's birthday as he walks out of the room. Happy birthday, Blaze. <laughs> he is turning eight years old today, and he received a package from his Nana. And when Nana sends a package from Texas, you know it's a good one. Nana and Papa send good gifts. So he had this big USPS box, and he's had it since Thursday, I think. And he was not allowed to open it until yesterday at his birthday party. Y'all, that is a long time to wait to open a package for an eight-year-old, isn't it? It's hard for me whenever I get something to not want to open it right away and see what's in it, especially if I know that it's something fun and and, uh, something like a present. It's hard to wait. It's hard to wait. But he did, and it was worth the wait. It was a great package from Nana. And if you're watching today, thank you, Nana and Papa, for that gift. He loved it. Um, So in our scripture... We know that the disciples were waiting on a gift, too. They were promised a gift, not once, not even twice, but as we see in Scripture, as we will today, many different times, waiting on this gift. So what was the gift that they were waiting on that they finally received? The Holy Spirit, yes. Yes, the Holy Spirit. Okay, So let's go back and let's talk about Pentecost. So they were in Jerusalem. All the Jews, many Jews, had traveled to Jerusalem for Pentecost. And Pente means 50. And this was celebrated, Pentecost was celebrated 50 days after Passover. And what happened on Passover? Well, we know that was the celebration of the Israelites and their escape out of Egypt. But what was, and, and a lamb, was, remember the lamb was sacrificed and the blood was put over the doors in Egypt. All of the Jews smeared blood over the doorpost as, as the angel of death, remember back in, back in Egypt, long, long, many, many years ago, and the angel of death passed over the houses that had the blood of the lamb over the doorpost. And they celebrate Passover, they celebrate the angel of death passing over them. And they celebrated this every year, and they went to Jerusalem for that as well. Who died on Passover. Jesus, the blood of the lamb, he died in our place. The the angel of death is able to pass over us, and we are able to have new life. We are able to have life abundantly. We are able to be reconciled to God because of his death. Good news, isn't it? That's the gospel. That's the good news. So that happened on Passover. And then Pentecost is 50 days after that. The Jews were celebrating that. So they were all still in Jerusalem for that. 
So if we look back and we look at Jesus, you know, he, he died on the cross, but he did not stay dead. Three days later, right, he rose from the grave, he was resurrected, and then he was on the earth for 40 days. So 40 days after his resurrection, he ascended to heaven. And we talked about that last week. Pastor Matt uh, preached on that. And if you, ha- if you didn't catch that mas- message, it was great. Go back on Facebook and check that out from last week. But he ascended to earth, and we talked about, I mean, to heaven. And we talked, talked about the significance of that. But the, going back to what Pentecost means, it was 50 days celebrated after Passover. And the day of Pentecost marks, also marks the time of first fruits of the wheat harvest and commemorates the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. So Pentecost was just a celebration of harvest, and it was a, a celebration of the law that was given through Moses. So, um, so if Jesus was crucified and died and rose again at Passover, then he was on earth for around 40 days after that. They had to wait from a few days to 10 days for this gift that was promised. And we find that the, the, the disciples were all together in one house, it said. They were all together. They were, they were waiting on this gift that had been promised. And if we look in Acts 1-4, it says, While he was with them, while Jesus was with them, before he ascended, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which, he said, you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. So at the ascension, right before the ascension, they were reminded of the gift that they were about to receive. And he said, don't leave Jerusalem. Stay in Jerusalem. Stay here. Stay here. Don't go anywhere. Wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon you before you go and do your thing. In John 15, back on his, in his earthly ministry, in John 15, 26, Jesus also talks about the Holy Spirit. So this was no surprise to them. They knew that he was coming. Jesus says of the Holy Spirit, But when the Helper comes, whom I will send you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. In John 14, 16, he says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Jesus said in John 16, 7, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Can you see how he's preparing them for the Holy Spirit? And then in Luke 24, 46, he also said to to them, this is what is written. The Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead the third day. And repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And look, I am sending you what my father promised. As for you, stay in the city until you are empowered from on high. So the disciples heard this promise of this gift not once, but many times. And they decided to believe and wait on the gift. 
And that is our bottom line for today, that God's gifts and promises are worth waiting for. God's gifts and promises are worth waiting for. Okay, so what were they doing? They were all huddled up, and, but weren't they wasting time? Because, I mean, they had just, they had just witnessed Jesus' resurrection, and boy, I bet they were ready to go. I bet they were ready to go and do the thing, to go out and do what they had been trained to do. And they had seen his death and then his resurrection and then had spent maybe 40 days with him, and they were raring to go, but they knew that God's gifts and promises were worth the wait. And wow, what a gift it was. So we see in verses 2 through 4, I mean, suddenly a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each one of them. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Oh, y'all, that is wild. The sound like a violent rushing wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were staying. And then these tongues like fire separated and rested on each one of them. And then what did they begin to do? They began to speak. They began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So the promised gift of the helper had come, and he would finish Jesus' work on the earth through God's people. They would proclaim his magnificent acts, and they would spread the good news that God has come down to us. So, uh, let's see. And they weren't unintelligible languages. How do we know that? Um, let's read on in verse 5. Now they were Jews staying in Jerusalem, devout people from every nation under heaven. When this sound occurred, a crowd came together and was confused because each one heard them speaking in his own language. They were astounded and amazed, saying, Look, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us hear them in our own native language? So there were lots of different languages being spoken at one time. So it sounds like they moved from out of the house, from out of the room that they were in, and they went outside, and they went to where the other people were. And so people were hearing Greek, Aramaic. They were hearing Latin, Coptic, Akkadian, Persian, Berber, Berber, Persian, all at once. So this isn't the kind of gifts of tongues that we that we, that we read about further in the New Testament. This wasn't like a prayer language that was just between them and God. This wasn't the kind of tongues that Paul talks about that there needs to be a translator for, that he goes, this is, this is something different. This was um, some, someone speaking a language, an earthly language, that someone from that area could hear, and they were hearing it. And then what were they saying in those languages? They were declaring, we, in verse 11, we hear them declaring the magnificent acts of God in our own tongues. They were all astounded and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? So they were spreading, the disciples were spreading the good news in languages that they had never spoken before. 
pretty amazing. So some say, I thought this was pretty interesting and, and as I was learning and reading about this, but some say that this was a reversal of the Tower of Babel. You remember that story of the Tower of Babel? Where they built a tower to try to get to heaven. They were trying their best to get to heaven. They were building and building and building and just one on top of another. And they began, they were very, very successful. I mean, this tower was really, was really high and was getting high. And God said, um, I don't want them to do this. I'm going to confuse their language. And so they went out to work one morning, and they couldn't understand each other. Uh, we have a, a, a great, Jesus Storybook Bible is a great kids' Bible that we use at home, and it's, it's awesome. And it tells this story, and it talks about how someone would be saying, good morning, and they would get a punch in the nose because someone would think they were saying, hush up, you're boring. And it was just this, this confusion. And what did they do? They put down their tools, and they went their separate ways. And that's how we, at that time, we had different languages that went different ways. And what was happening here with the Holy Spirit is that they were receiving gifts of tongues through the Holy Spirit, and they were able to unite people and to bring people together. And they didn't have to, they didn't have to, no more did they have to build a tower to God because God came down to them. God had come down to us in Jesus. Christianity, if you survey and study all of the different religions, Christianity is the only religion where God comes down to us. We do not have to work and work to, to reach God. We do not have to do all the right things to reach God. He does the work. It's done. He did it. And we get the blessing. It's a gift. We just have to choose to take the gift and to use it. So now the Holy Spirit has come down on the Jesus followers, and now they were able to understand each other. The gospel message would go forth, and the people were being united in him. So at Pentecost, they were literally speaking each other's languages. We do not have to work to get back to heaven and build, and build this life of good works. God came down to us. Came to one place. He came to Jerusalem, and then they would be all spread out from there. It's a beautiful thing. So what happened at Pentecost signified the power that all believers have in the Holy Spirit through Christ as a gift from God. But we no longer, they would make this trek every year to Jerusalem for Passover and for Pentecost. And all the Jews in the area would go to Jerusalem to worship there. And y'all, we're able to worship in Hope Hole, Alabama. We do not have to be, we do not have to take a trip to the holy city. That's the beauty of what Jesus did and the Holy Spirit, excuse me. We are able to worship anywhere 
at any time with the freedom and the authority that the Holy Spirit has given us. So this power is for God's glory and for our good. We are emboldened and empowered to share the gospel effectively. So the people who heard these languages, they saw these men, they saw the disciples, and some of them knew who who the disciples were. But others of them caught a, a glimpse of their dialect. They heard the dialect, and they said, these guys are Galileans. How in the world do they know Latin? How do they know Coptic from Egypt? How do they know all of these different languages? They're Galileans. Galileans weren't thought of being, they weren't thought of as being especially educated people. When we lived in Colorado, our family lived in Colorado for almost 10 years, and it wouldn't take long of us talking before people knew, hey, you're not from here, are you? We would get lots of comments like, where are you from? And, you know, of course, they knew the answer was the South. But we would get specific and say Alabama. And uh, they were just, they were amazed at our, our, I mean, I'm like, I'm not the one with the accent. You're the one with the accent. You're the one that talks strange, not me. But it's, um, they would just, you know, say this for me. Say this for us. And uh, this is funny because we didn't think that we even had accents until we moved out there. And then, you know, I'd get on the phone with Mama, right? Mama was back in Alabama. I'm in Colorado. I'd get on the phone with Mama. And boy, it gets thick when I'm on the phone with Mama. And, you know, I'd have friends around me, and it would just be, oh, yeah, she is, she is not from here. So people could pick up on those dialects. And that was, that's what was happening to these disciples. People were picking up on their dialects. And it said, it said in, um, let's see. In verse 7, look, they were astounded and amazed, saying, look, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us can hear them in our own native language? Have you ever felt that you were not equipped to do the job that God has given you to do? Have you ever felt that you're not prepared or that maybe you're not educated enough, or you're not experienced enough, or that person could do it better than me. I know I've felt that way many times throughout my life. Like, God, why would you choose me when this person is, or these, these people, or this, these kinds of people are surely a better option for you? Like, God, why didn't you pick the Pharisees, or the scribes, or even the Sanhedrin. Why didn't you pick that group of people, people who had gone to school for this, God? Why didn't he choose those people to be his disciples? Because surely they were familiar with other languages, or surely they were more experienced in the text, in Scripture, in the law. But God does not qualify us by our experience. The Holy Spirit is who gives us life, who fulfills our purpose, and who achieves God's purposes through us. It is not us. So we can be the most educated person in the room or the least educated person in the room, and God can use us the same. 
That's good news, isn't it? And if you feel unexperienced in where you are right now, if you feel like, God, why am I in this place? Why have you chosen me? That's a good place that you're in. Because that's when the Holy Spirit can rise up in you and fill you and accomplish the works that you couldn't even imagine. I love Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. God can do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. He did that through the disciples. You think they would have ever thought that they would be speaking like this? Sure, they may have thought the gift is coming, the helper is coming. Jesus obviously mentioned it over and over again. If I don't leave, the helper can't come. So they're expecting the helper, and they're expecting the helper to help them as a helper would. But I bet they did not expect to be speaking in another language and for people to understand them. And they were speaking the acts of God. And so what was happening is that the gospel was being spread through these men, through the Holy Spirit, and women. Women were in the room too. So women, men and women, this was going on. And it was being taken from Jerusalem to the world. And isn't that what Jesus promised before he did the Great Commission? That you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses in, in Hopewell, Alabama, in Prattville. You'll be my witnesses in Alabama. You'll be my witnesses in the United States. And you'll be my witnesses in the world. But we cannot be those witnesses apart from the Holy Spirit. We can't. Whenever we try to do God's work in our lives, on our own, in our own strength, you know what that leads to? Burnout. It can lead to depression. It can lead to fear. I mean, feelings of hopelessness. It can lead to frustration. And so let me just put this in there. If you are feeling any of those things I just said, maybe it's because you're doing this life in your own strength. And it was never meant to be that way. God sent the helper to help you. The Holy Spirit, the paraclete, he is the, the one that's, that is beside us. He's our comforter, he's our convictor, and he's our empowerer. He empowers us. He emboldens us to share the gospel that is in us, to live the life that we are meant to live, to walk in the promises that were so worth the wait. And if you're struggling right now in life, if you have something that maybe it's a, this is, if you have a, a, a sin issue or a heart issue, something going on in you that you keep trying, you keep trying to work at, and you feel like you've given it over to God, and then you pick it up again, and it's back in your life again. And then, oh, this time, this time is, is this time is, I'm going to do better. I'm going to try harder. And you are continuing to fail. It may be because you are not using the gift that's been given to you. 
which is the Holy Spirit. We talked about this in Sunday school last week, that Jesus, in his ministry, stood up in the synagogue, and he picked up a scroll from Isaiah, and he read it, and he said, I am here to set the prisoners free. I am here to let the captives go. I am here to heal. I am here to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And the Holy Spirit is finishing that work that Jesus started. And he is doing that work in us for our good and also for his glory. So the Holy Spirit was sent to bring glory to God on this earth and to get out the gospel message and to proclaim and to do things that you never thought you could do for the kingdom. But also, he came for your good. And he's in, if you are a believer, the Holy Spirit is in you. And he's given you the power to overcome sin. And you have the power to be patient, even when it's difficult. And to speak kindness to that coworker, or that neighbor, or that friend. And to say no to the things that you know are not God's best for you. And this is the gift that he's given us. The promise that he's given us through the Holy Spirit. And it's ours. It's already been given to you. You already have it. You do not have to work for this power. You do not have to be good or gooder to get this power. It is in you as a believer. Just walk in it. Romans 8 talks about how we walk according to the flesh. I mean, according to the spirit, not according to the flesh. That's a great scripture to read on the Holy Spirit. If you want to dive in a little bit deeper, Romans 8 is a great one. Boy, you will like, you'll be feeling good after that one. It's reminding, being reminded of who you are in Christ and the Holy Spirit from the Father. So these men were emboldened and empowered to share the gospel, but not just to share it, but to share it effectively to accomplish the mission. For God's good and for, the, for, for God's glory and for our good. So as believers, we all have the gift of the Holy Spirit. How much have you opened your gift? How are you using your gift? This is a gift you no, no longer have to wait for. We don't have to wait for this gift. You don't have to keep it like Blaze did for a couple of days before you open it in anticipation. It's yours. It's yours to use right now. It's already been given to you. God's gifts and his promises are worth the wait. There may be something that you're waiting on for God to do. There may be a promise that he's spoken over you through his word and that you're waiting for that gift to happen, for that promise to happen. Keep waiting. Keep waiting. It's worth the wait, always. He'll give you the power to wait. He'll give you the strength as you wait. And something I want to point out is how do we wait? Like, how do we wait for the Holy Spirit? What do we do, not for the Holy Spirit, how do we wait on God's promises and on the gifts that we, we are praying for? We're praying for God to save a family member that is not a Christian. 
We're waiting on God to bring a wayward child back into his arms. We're waiting on God to bring healing. We're waiting on God to bring financial help. We're waiting on God, fill in the blank. If I were to guess, we all have something that we could fill in the blank. We're waiting on God. And he's promised to help us. He's promised to be with us. He's promised to never leave us in Hebrews. He's promised to never leave us. And he's promised to never forsake us, ever. He will not. He has not given up on you. He has not forgotten your request. He is working intricately to weave things together for his glory and for your good. So how are you waiting right now? Are you complaining? Are you waiting expectantly? Are you waiting actively? I think the disciples set a good example for us in this. So they were waiting on this gift of the promised Holy Spirit. Jesus said, don't leave Jerusalem. Don't go on your own. Can you imagine if they had left Jerusalem and said, we've got a job to do. Let's go. We've got to go preach the gospel. It's time. Everybody go. Everybody go out to the, to the world before the Holy Spirit came. But that would have led to a lot of frustration. But they waited. And they were huddled together. And they were waiting together, up to, up, maybe up to 10 days waiting for this promised Holy Spirit. But it said that they waited, and this is what I want to challenge us to do. They waited actively. They actively waited. It's just not, a, oh, well, I have to wait. I'm waiting on God, so I'm just not going to do anything. I'm just, I'm just going to just sit back and just let God do his thing. Well, yes, God is going to do his thing, but we can be participants in that waiting it said that while they were waiting, in verse 14, uh, chapter 1, they were all continually united in prayer, along with the women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. So they were praying while they were waiting. They were seeking the Father while they were waiting. And don't you know, in those times of prayer, they grew even more united in what was to come? Joys and miracles and salvations abundantly were in, were in their future, but so was persecution. And so was death for many, most of them. But I bet during those days of prayer where they were gathered together, I bet they were united, and I bet that their closeness increased, and they were encouraging and edifying one another, just like we do when we come to church, and we pray together, and we sing together, and we lift up the Lord together. That's what they were doing. And then another thing that they did they chose a disciple to replace Judas. And so they were taking care of business while they were waiting. Um, they chose, like Matt talked about this last week, they chose, um, or the, the lot fell to Matthias. So they were taking care of things and they were praying. So they were actively waiting on God. So how can you actively wait on God? How can you during your time of waiting and asking God for whatever your thing is, I could challenge you to go to a friend and ask for help and ask for prayer for this thing. Like, don't go in this alone. Ask them to pray with you about whatever that, 
that um, prayer request is. Go to Scripture. Most Bibles have the um, the thing in the back where you can, you know, like I just looked up um, perplexed, persecute, persecution. I mean, you can go and just go topic. Some Bibles have that topic where you can just look. and Whatever you're dealing with, maybe you're waiting on, maybe you need some patience for what you're waiting on. It's really hard to wait. And you go and just look up those Scripture on patience. And just go to the Scripture and actively wait on the Father. So the disciples set a good example for us in that. But he will come through. It may seem like he's forgotten you, but he hasn't. He's working. He's putting all the pieces together. And like we said in Ephesians 3, he is able to do immeasurably do more than we could ever ask or imagine. He never leaves his children. He never forsakes us. He keeps his word, and it's always for his glory and for our good. God's gifts and his promises are worth the wait. You've been listening to SermonCast, the online preaching ministry of Hope Hole United Methodist Church. If you enjoyed this message, consider sharing it with a few friends. Remember to visit us at hopeholeumc.org sermons and subscribe to get notified when new content is posted. Thanks for listening.